Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. God's Word. Go with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke 2. You know, the Christmas season brings us a lot of good movies. And if you could list your top five Christmas movies, I wonder what would be on your list. Would Home Alone be on that list? Or maybe It's a Wonderful Life? Maybe National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Or uh, A Christmas Story? A lot of people love that one. Maybe something more modern like Elf. Maybe something more action-packed, like Die Hard. (laughs) Well, for me, my top five definitely has to include a Charlie Brown Christmas. It is a must-watch for me every season. And the beautiful thing about that show is that it really is philosophically and spiritually deep. I mean, even though it's presented in an animated children's cartoon, Charlie Brown is struggling to find joy at Christmas. And he's sort of burnt out on all the commercialization of the holiday, and he's just feeling quite empty. In fact, the opening scene, he tells his buddy Linus, he says, I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but still, I'm not happy. And I say to you, perhaps... You can relate this morning. At, at this point in the Christmas season, you may be suffering from a bit of Christmas fatigue. You know what I'm talking about? Christmas fatigue is the exhaustion experienced by some in the Christmas season due to the celebration's length and intensity. What used to be just a focus between Thanksgiving and December 25th is now stretched out to two months, man, beginning the day after Halloween. And not only is the Christmas season now culturally longer... It's now more intense. I mean, Christmas music has been playing everywhere you go for two months simply to try to get you to buy more stuff. There's, then there's the Black Friday and the Small Business Saturday and the Cyber Monday and Giving Tuesday. And then there's all those Christmas events on the calendar. As good as they are and as fun as they are, nevertheless, it can feel intense and the hustle and bustle preparing for all the get-togethers and family events It's a fun season, but it's a really intense season. And due to its length and its intensity, Christmas fatigue has the potential to take the happiness out of your holiday because by the time you're really celebrating, you may be sick of it already and worn, slap out. So what is the solution to this? Guys, here's the solution. The solution is this, is to come back to the center of Christmas. Like Linus at the end of Charlie Brown who reads a portion of Luke 2 and then says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. We need to take a deep breath and seriously focus on why we celebrate Christ's birth. If you will focus on that center, on that white hot center and not all the cultural peripheries, your heart will be full. It'll be full. Not only will it be full, it'll be merry. And not only will it be merry, it will be full 
of marvel. You see, the entire Christmas story, church, should cause us to marvel. It's an amazing story, right? It's a miraculous story. It, 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 it contains a plot twist that nobody expected. Think about that for just a moment. Last week, our choir sang a strange way to save the world. And that sort of sums up the Christmas season. Nobody saw coming what actually came to pass. I mean, the pagans of the world, they weren't looking for a baby born in a manger. They were looking for strength. And the Israelites, they were looking for a baby in the manger. But they weren't looking for God in the flesh. And so everybody at Christmas was surprised. Nobody was prepared for what came at Christmas. So I say to you, let's get back to the focus here on December 23rd. We still have two days left to get our hearts back to the real focus so that you might enjoy the Christmas season. We continue in our series this morning, The Thrill of Hope. And today, the Sunday before Christmas, we focus in on hope embodied. I want to invite you to stand to honor the reading of the Word of God this morning. We're going to read Luke 2, which will bring you and me back to the center, back to the focus of Christmas. And read down through the 20th verse, beginning in the first. God's Word says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray together. Father, this is Christmas. All that other stuff, we enjoy it that cultural stuff that helps us to point to you, God. Never let it detract from this focus right here. We rejoice in the celebration of the incarnation, the birth of Christ, the Son of God, come to save us. Father, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice who is yet to repent and trust in Christ, we pray that today would be the day they would hear the gospel of the good news of Jesus and be saved, would cling to Christ and be saved.
Father, help us to respond accordingly to your word as we focus on it this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Grab your seat there. That, beloved, is what Christmas is all about. Here's today's takeaway. Here's what I hope you'll do. Because again, the word of God is not just meant to be thought out, right? There's, there's an there's a application, there's a response to it. And it's not enough to just know something. God wants to move our heart, right? And so here's what I pray will happen for you today and for me in this Christmas season is that you will marvel that the Son of God took on a human body to die as the Lamb of God. Let me say that again. I want you to marvel. I mean, really, you've got to think on this. And if you'll think on this, your heart will leap for joy that the Son of God took on a human body to die as the Lamb of God. You should feel something this Christmas. And amongst those feelings should be marvel. You need to ponder this truth, guys, that the Son of God took on a human body to die as the Lamb of God. Think deeply on it. And when you do again, I pray that your heart will rejoice in all of the wonder of it. It really is a marvelous story. In the birth of Jesus, we have the birth of a sacrificial lamb. That's why a few weeks ago when we focused in on John the Baptist, that's why we see him exclaim later in Jesus' life. In John 1.29, he said, behold, the what? The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And three events here in Luke 2 drive this point home, that Jesus is the Lamb of God. His birth, the manger, and the shepherds. First, the birth. That's why Jesus was born. Look at verse 6 and 7. And while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. It's really easy for you and me to just read over that. As like some incidental part of the story or some ancillary part of the story. But it's not. It's, it's, it's the center of the story. It's, 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 it's a fact. It's a foundational fact. But it's, without the foundation, there's nothing to build on. Don't just skip over the fact that Jesus was born. You need to linger there for a moment on that fact. You see, Jesus didn't come down out of heaven to earth fully grown, ready to save the world. Right? God could have done it that way. But God had a marvelous plan. Jesus didn't come down out of heaven to earth. He came through birth to the earth. The eternal son of God who is spirit was in flesh and implanted in the womb of a virgin named Mary. And nine months later, he was born. He was born because to be the lamb of God, he needed to have a body. You see, Easter is the celebration of the resurrection When Jesus' body rose again. But in Christmas, what is Christmas? Christmas is a celebration of the incarnation where Jesus took on a body, where hope took on a body, where the eternal Son of God took on flesh and dwelt among us, and not just any flesh. He he didn't come as a bull. He didn't come in the flesh of of a sheep or a puppy dog or a kitty cat. Not just any flesh. He came to save humanity. Therefore, he took on human flesh, a human body. You see, central to the biblical doctrine of Christ is the physical body of Christ, the human body of Christ. He had to have a body because he was sent to die for our sins. He was the substitutionary sacrifice for us. Therefore, there had to be something to sacrifice. You see, you cannot 
sacrifice a spirit. You cannot beat a spirit with a cat of nine tails. You cannot put a crown of thorns on a spirit's head. You cannot nail a spirit to a cross or thrust a spear through a spirit's side. You can only do that to a body. Therefore, Jesus Christ was born so that he would have a body to sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 through 7, makes this truth abundantly clear. It says, consequently, when Christ came in the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you, God, have not desired, but a what? A body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I've come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. You see, the blood of actual bulls and goats and sheep can do nothing to actually take away our sins But the blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus, the Lamb of God could save us and indeed has saved us and will save all who will repent and believe in Christ. You see, the entire sacrificial system of the Old Testament was preparing us for Jesus who would be sacrificed for us. He was born to have a human body to die as the Lamb of God. Second, that's why Jesus was laid in a manger. Jesus was born and Jesus was laid in a manger, the Messiah, the Christ child. Now, he was supposed to be the king of the Jews, the king of the world. That's why the Magi or the wise men said the following in Matthew 2, verse 1 and 2. They they said this. They said, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And here's what they said. They said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews for he saw or for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him they were looking for a king and God had promised a king hadn't he when you read the old testament all the prophecies a king who had sat on the throne of David but we read in Luke 2 7 and she gave birth to her firstborn son And wrapped him in swaddling claws and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. (laughs) Guys, a manger is not where you lay a future king. A manger is just a fancy way of saying a feeding trough. It's it's where you feed livestock out of. Kings aren't born laid in a manger unless, unless the king is also the lamb of God whose ascent to the throne is preceded by his dying and rising again to save humanity from their sins. And since that is the case, then the manger is a perfect place for newborn Jesus, the lamb of God, to be laid. We just sang it a moment ago. Away in a manger no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. You see, the manger points to the fact that he was born to be the Lamb of God. And finally this morning, I would say to you, that's why Jesus was visited by shepherds. The scene here in Luke 2, it quickly changes from a manger in Bethlehem to a pasture nearby Bethlehem. It's filled with sheep and some shepherds are watching over the flock that night. And we read in scripture here, verse 8 through 14, 
Luke 2, 8 through 14, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. So these angels are sent to these shepherds, but why shepherds? Why specifically were they told about Jesus and basically invited to go see Jesus? Some would say it's their low socioeconomic status. One author, whom I really like, says this. He says, in Christ's day, shepherds stood on the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. They shared the same unenviable status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. Well, they were low, goodness gracious. Smug religious leaders maintained a strict caste system at the expense of shepherds and other common folk. Shepherds were officially labeled sinners, a technical term for a class of despised people. Into this social context, the author continues, of religious snobbery and class prejudice, God's son stepped forth. How surprising and significant that Father God handpicked lowly, unpretentious shepherds to be first to hear the joyous news. It's a boy, and he's the Messiah. The author finishes up by concluding this. He says, as we gaze on nativity scenes and smile at those gunny sack shepherds, let's not lose sight of the striking irony. A handful of shepherds, marginalized by the social and religious elite, were chosen to break the silence of centuries heralding the Messiah's birth. In other words, what the author is saying there is that he believes the primary reason that the shepherds were called is because he wanted to demonstrate to the world that Jesus was born for the world, right? Not just the high-class folks, not just the middle-class folks, but the lowest of low. And I would say to you, that is certainly true, man. God sent to save, sent Jesus to save us, uh, save us no matter where we sit in the social strata, the economic strata of the world. And there may be something to the socioeconomic interpretation, but I believe there's something way more straightforward, way simpler, and way more marvelous. Let me say it again, and way more marvelous. You see, I believe that God sent the angels to the shepherds simply because the Lamb of God had just been born. Shepherds are called to the manger to highlight for you and to me why Jesus came to die as the Lamb of God. The, the angels were essentially saying, shepherds, leave your sheep and go see the newborn Lamb of God and go see them. They did. And scripture tells us in Luke 2.20 that the shepherds returned to their fields completely unaffected. No, is that what it says? It doesn't say that. When they came into the presence of Jesus and they fathomed all that the angels had said and all that they had seen and all the things that were there, scripture says they returned to their fields in Luke 2.20 glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as, at, as it had been told them. In other words, 
they left the manger marveling. Indeed, guys, the incarnation is a marvelous thing. Jesus came and took on a human body to die in your place as the sacrificial lamb of God. That should blow your mind. And this Christmas, I want to say, is the perfect time to receive the benefit of that sacrifice. If you die without repenting and trusting in Jesus, Scripture is very clear that you will suffer the wrath of God forevermore in hell. Very clear. Very clear about that. But let me say to you, Christmas is a calling card to you that says, you don't have to. Amen? You will if you don't repent and trust Christ, but you don't have to. Christ took on a body to suffer the wrath of God for you so that you don't have to. And if you'll repent and believe on Jesus, his sacrificial blood will will cover you, man. What a marvelous hope, man. Jesus is hope embodied. I say to you, won't you receive him? And if you've come in this morning with Christmas fatigue, may you get to the center what's really important, what the season's really about. And here's my final prayer. May you have a merry and a marvelous Christmas. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, 
death, and resurrection and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.